Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Welcome. If you're new, I am Pastor Daniel, and I am excited to have you guys with me here tonight. Um, I think I, I am excited about tonight's topic. I think it's one that most all of us need. Um, has if, if you have ever had a week that felt like it was just too much, has that happened to anybody else? Okay, then then you're in the right spot. Uh, th- this week I was I was prepping. I was kind of debating on two different topics and. I got on, I saw uh, a friend's Facebook post and, and they own a business and they're just talking about how this, this long rant, just how overwhelming it is as you're trying to be all these different positions and then manage people who occasionally don't show. And then you got people who are trying to take advantage of you and you're, you've got like all of this different craziness owning a business. And then they're like, and then we still have a family. And then there's the family and trying to balance being a a husband or a wife and a, a mother and trying to balance physical health, mental health, the kids. Uh, and I actually, I came across two different people who had a p- different posts on their business and then talked to somebody else who was just feeling overwhelmed, someone else who was um, feeling burned out. And I, I was just looking at this list and realizing in our life, it is so incredibly easy to be overwhelmed, overwork, drained, and dry. And sometimes we can hear that God has good things for us and be like, that'd be great. Um, And sometimes we believe it and wish for it, but don't have an expectation of it. Um, Sometimes we go, yes, God's got good things and I got to earn it. And we get this like uh, trying to achieve all that God has for us. But many freeze feeling inadequate and just this spot that we can get into. And I, I, I was just pondering how easy or how common this overwhelmed place is. I, I think it's really around the world. I was about to say in America, and then I was like, you know, I really think, I know this is an around the world issue. I've traveled enough to see people overwhelmed all over the place. And, and sometimes we just go, you know what? I just wish, I don't know. Did you, re- did you know that superhero movies are the most popular movies? Uh, if you look at the top 10 gross, uh, highest grossing films, the majority of them are filled with superheroes because all of us wish we were superheroes. We go through life and you're like, if only, uh, all these single moms are like, if I have super speed, like, like there's these different things. You're like, oh, if only I could have something that would allow me to do more. Only if I could have something that would allow me to see around the corner. If I could have something that would allow me to get around the corner faster, to go on less sleep, to have more time in my day. If you've never wished for a longer day, maybe you were smart enough to realize you'd be really tired. But anyways, the, I think all of us have at some point just wished that we had more time that we had more strength, that we had more. And as I was looking at this, I began looking at some of God's promises and realized that we need more strength, wisdom, discernment, provision, guidance, patience, joy, peace, rest, boldness, power, and the list goes on. And all of those are promises that are for us. In fact, I I begin to list it and 
and going through, I, I just threw out a list of a few of these things we need. And I was like, okay, is that, is that my list or is that the word? And they're like, nope, here's the verse, here's the verse, here's the verse, here's the verse, here's a stack of verses, here's the verse. But as I looked at this list, this is a very small list. This is a very simple list. Yet almost all of us could look at this list and go, yeah, I'm lacking there. Some would go, hey, I'm lacking in one of those. Some would go, I'm lacking in all of those. But I began looking at these, this, this desire that God has for us and the place that most of us find ourselves. And most of us find ourselves in a different place, looking over at that list going, that'd be really nice. I could really use some extra strength. I really need some peace. I'm really struggling with worry and anxiety. I'm really feeling overwhelmed with this. Oh, I really wish that I had more boldness. I really wish I knew what to say, that I had some wisdom and discernment. And there's this, this disconnect from what God seems to want for us into what, where most of us are. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So I made my little list and he goes, but I'm going to give you every spiritual blessing. And I thought, you know, that's amazing. I want that. But where is the disconnect? Where is the disconnect between all of this that you say you want for me and what most of us experience? And that's what I want to look at. And I think that the disconnect is a misunderstanding and a lack of application of grace. See, grace is an incredibly, incredibly awesome and powerful thing. And most Christians in America use 2% of grace. And I totally made that number up. But, but, but my point is that it's just this tiny sliver because we understand, we misunderstand what grace is. We think grace is a synonym for mercy. In fact, people frequently get them confused. And I, I was having a conversation with my wife. She's helping out at, the, at a, a school, or she's working at, at a school, and they've got grace warnings. And she's telling me about it. I'm like, you mean mercy warnings? She's like, yes. They are, they are mercy. Because mercy is not giving you what you deserve. While grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. And it can sound like semantics, but it opens up a world of difference. And when we think that grace is simply mercy, then we are oh so grateful for it and we keep it inside of a sliver. See, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. He goes, the, the lack of judgment would be considered mercy, but the gift of forgiveness is an act of grace. But that's, that's the part that most Christians kind of understand. But that's where they leave it. And they go, I've got God's grace because I don't have to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven. And they're like, that's grace. And you're like, well, yes. Yes, that is grace. But did you know, ready for an infomercial? There's more. <laughs> and it's not for a limited time. Okay, so like, but, but there's this thing where, where we reduce it 
But see, God's grace, the unmerited, unearned favor and the gifts of the Lord that equip us, empower us um, of the Lord, allowing us to go beyond our own ability in the strength of the Lord to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I'll say that again. God's grace is the unmerited, unearned favor and gifts of the Lord that equip, empower us, allowing us to go beyond our own ability in the strength of the Lord to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And that changes things. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, uh, who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will according, um, working in us that which is pleasing and which in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He goes, through Christ, he is going to equip us and empower us. This is where grace gets going. Grace, yes, I am so excited to go to heaven, but grace doesn't start when I die. And that's where so often we relieve it. And he goes, no, grace is for you right now. Grace is to equip you and strengthen you in all of the things that God's called you to. So if you are a spouse, if you are married, then there you need God's grace to equip you to be a great godly spouse. If you have children, you definitely need the grace of the Lord to strengthen you, to give you wisdom, to give you words, the right words, the kind words, to give you patience. Like there are so many things that you need grace for as a parent. And if you are a single parent, you need the strengthening of the Lord as well as all of those other things. But the beautiful thing is that grace is for you. And I begin to ponder this. I, I likened it to an electronic bike. Can you put up that picture? So my brother took his daughter on a mountain bike or a mountain trip. I think they climbed two mountains and then they biked one on their, their last day here. So they rented these bikes. These are electric bikes, but they look normal. You can completely ignore the electronics on this bike and just pedal. And if you do, then that really stinks because it's a really heavy bike. But if you turn on the pedal assist, um, things change. All of a sudden, when you start pedaling, it starts multiplying your effort. And so my, my brother, my brother is a very strong biker and he has been for a very long time. He is significantly larger than his daughter. You may be able to tell. Um, and he goes, this was interesting because when she got on that thing, his superior strength meant nothing because she had a whole lot less weight. And that little electronic bike, as soon as she would start to go, it's like, boom! And he's like, it was all I could do trying to catch her uh, on that thing. And my battery on mine is just like dying. And hers is like, oh, I'm just fine. And just like flying around. But there, there's this thing where as they use these, they can do everything on their own. Or they can tap into the power. They can tap into its power. And it can take them further. It can take them faster. It can leave them feeling more refreshed and more energized. And I begin to look and realize that this 
This is a great picture of grace because you can try to bike it on your own or we can tap into God's power to do all that he's called us to. And when we do, we can go further, we can go faster and see God do things that we could never do on our own. But so often we think of grace as something that's just for dealing with sin, but really we're thinking of, of mercy. And, but, but when we do, we think of grace just for the sinner, but grace equips us as we follow Jesus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Grace is needed to live a godly and upright life. And, and um, Paul demonstrates the gift that every parent, and especially single parents, need. In Colossians 1.29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul says that he struggles with whose energy? His. And this verse kind of blew my mind because it's going, I don't have to do this on my own. I can rely on something that's stronger, something that's greater, and it can empower me to go beyond my own ability. And, and it's this, this massive picture in first, no, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul has recites some things and then he talks about a conversation that he had with God. Anyone ever think they had a really bad day? Weak, rough, maybe you had a rough life? No, for real. We, we, we hear sometimes, and I, I just had a rough life. And sometimes you, they start telling you their story and you're like, you're right. Um, but Paul's going through some of what he went through and he's like, yeah, I've been in prison countless times, beaten more times than I can count, near death five times, received by the hands of the, the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day adrift on frequent um, journeys in danger from rivers, robbers, my own people, the Gentiles in, in these cities. And he just goes through this and he's like, over here in the sea dangers and the false brothers and the hardships and, and hunger and thirst and without food. And, and he just goes through this massive list. And, and coming out of all this, he goes, and I ask God, basically, make them all stop. Stop persecuting me, stop all of this. And he said, you know, hey, there was a, a messenger from Satan, a thorn in my flesh that was sent to, to buffet me. And he, he calls it this as he's closing out this list of all that he's been through. And God's response was crazy. He goes, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that like messes with things. What do you mean your grace is sufficient for me? What do you mean? Because we can use that as, all right, hey, his grace can cover my sins. But that's really, yes, that's, that's a gift of, of grace. But he's going, in my weakness, your grace is sufficient? Because he goes, where you're not enough, I am enough. Will you trust in me? And he goes, so I will, 
gladly boast in my weakness so that you recognize this isn't of me and that I am relying on something that's stronger than me. That my niece could outbike my brother because she relied on something that had a higher power ratio for her than him. And it was this, this, this amazing thing when I begin to understand that grace isn't just, it, that it's not just mercy, that it's God's unlimited, when, when God gives these gifts to us, all of this comes by his grace that he's made available and it's undeserved. And this is what just makes it so amazing. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm trying not to skip. I have I'm trying to decide if I can do this in one sermon or two. If I go too long, I will stop. Don't worry. We will not be here all night. But grace, um, this, this allows me to walk boldly, to lay my hands on the sick and to see them recover, to prophesy, to remain calm, to be a light, to wake up rested, peace, provision, wisdom, and guidance are all things that come to me via God's grace. It's, it's what God provided for us in Christ. See, it's no longer about what I can earn. It's about what he earned and is willing to give me. And he says that all that the father has is his and he makes it available to us. And it's this amazing and beautiful thing. But most of us don't understand it. And if we do, we tend, there's a tendency to end up in one of two ditches. So you realize that for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch, right? And, and you can go off of one and end up in the other really easily in life. I looked up something the other day about salt. Salt, they'll, they'll sit here and they're like, lots of times health recommendations are like, you have too much salt. Don't have too much salt. But did you know if you have not enough salt, they freak out too? Yeah. So if you look it up and you're like, what happens if I have too much salt? They're like, you'll have high blood pressure and you can get really sick and da 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 They're like, okay, what happens if I don't have enough salt? They're like, you can have all of these symptoms and you might die. I'm like, jeepers. <laughs> Balance is kind of important here. So there are two ditches with grace. And I, I want to look at one or two of these ditches and then look at how to um, apply some of this grace. And the first ditch where so many of us end up is trying to earn grace. And when you define grace as unearned, it's really kind of dumb to say that I would try to earn what's unearned because that's its definition, but that doesn't stop us. Um, and we, we, we may say, hey, I'm not trying to earn grace, but I'm trying to be worthy or I'm trying to, and then we list all of these different things that we think that God couldn't do in us because of our unworthiness or because of our failures or because of our sins or because of the things that we've been through. We tend to write each other off. But in Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says that um, God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he, he poured out his love, not when we earned it, not when we got our act together, but while we were in the middle of a mess. And he goes, okay, so God's grace meets us there. In Romans eleven six, says that, but if grace, if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. But one of the devil's favorite lies is to go, doesn't apply to you. That applies to somebody else. 
God could never use you because you, you can fill in the blank with where you failed, where something happened in your life and you blew it. And he goes, oh, well, that means that you are a liar and a cheater and that's all you're ever gonna be. That means that you will never be a good husband. That means that God could never use you. And he, and he, and he fills all of this different stuff because you blank, God could never forgive you, use you. You'll never be a great, you'll never be a, and it's this attack of the enemy. But there's this beautiful thing that God, God goes, no, he poured out his grace for you. And he gave you a gift and then he puts you in Christ. And this is what's awesome. Because when he puts us in Christ, it's no longer, it's this beautiful act of grace. It's no longer, what did I earn? It's what did he earn? And it's this, this beautiful thing. Um, okay, I got four kids. My kids, okay, my oldest one likes to spend money. I don't know if you have any of those, but at 11, his income is not exactly uh, great. Um, his income is mostly birthdays and Christmas. And then we just started doing something allowance, but he has found ways to spend allowance faster than he can get it. The other day, he really wanted a book set. And he comes and he goes, oh, dad, I, I really want to get this. And he's like, I'll pay you back. I'm like, you don't have any money. <laughs> oh, man, but I really want. And I'm like, you know what? This is actually going to be a really good thing for him. So I bust out my credit card and I hand it to him. And he's going to go pay. Now, here's what happens. When he has my card, does how much money he has matter? No, how much money I have matters. <laughs> because I just gave him access, not to his account, but to my account. This is what happens in Christ. It's he just issued you a card on his account. And he goes, I am... And it's just really hard for us to comprehend when he goes, I am giving you access. And if, if you're struggling with this, sometimes we can say, I know better, but then we, do, we, we struggle with a couple of these. In John 16, verse 15, he says, all that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said to you, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And it's so easy to be like, no, I don't struggle with that. But then you hear that and you're like, well, I couldn't have that because I am, because I have because I haven't. God, God couldn't bless me. God couldn't use me. John 14, 12 says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than, than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. And we hear that and we go, that's crazy. Maybe somebody who's super, super, super spiritual and hasn't struggled with what I struggled with. But if I'm saying that, I am now saying that it rests on me and my performance. And so often when someone's sick, we're like, well, I got to take them to somebody else to go pray for them. Well, you could pray for them. No, I need someone spiritual. They need to have pastor in front of their name. Prophet might do too. Like, but we, we, we get this idea that it requires 
somebody who earned it and we don't think that we had. And this is not a new issue. In Galatians chapter three, Paul addresses them. And this is one of the large issues he addresses, addresses in Galatians. He goes through and he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? He goes on in verse three, have you begun by the spirit? Are you now gonna be made perfect by the flesh? And he calls them out. He goes, you are saved by grace and now you think you're gonna earn it all? And, and, and they, they were missing it. But this is, this is still so common. And when you find people who are trying to earn God's love and forgiveness and the gifts that he provides, they're often self-righteous jerks. Have you ever heard of like the stigma of like judgy Christians? Have you ever heard of that? Okay. This is where judgy Christians come from. They are trying to operate without grace. If I am trying to operate without grace, then my merit, my relationship with God hinges on my performance. And if my relationship with God hinges on my performance and I'm not perfect, then I want not my perfection to be noticed, or my imperfection to be noticed. I want your imperfection to be noticed so they don't notice mine. And if I can pull you down more than me, then I look like I should have the the greatest and have the best relationship because it's all based on merit. So self, so so Christians, so people that are trying to do it based on their own want to point out the faults of somebody else so that you don't notice theirs so that they can have a better relationship because they think it's based on merit and comparison. But what Jesus is saying is it's not based on your merit. It's based on his. It's not based on your account. It's based on his. And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. But this is so common. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, the end of the story of the prodigal son, the older brother's So if you don't know the story, you can read it later. It's Luke 15. But the younger brother did everything wrong. Finally repents and comes back to dad and dad's really excited and throws a party. The older brother comes who hasn't done anything wrong, who's staying there and he gets mad that dad's throwing a party for his brother who messed everything up. And he says to his dad, what is this? And he he, he goes through and he goes, um, father came out and he goes, you never gave me a party. And he goes, I have been with you. Look, and I've served you and I never disobeyed you. And you never gave me this. And my little brother who did this and he wasted your money this way and he betrayed you this way and he did this. And then this is what you did to him. It's all about performance. It's all about comparison. But when we think it's about performance and about comparison, then I won't receive what God has for me. God's giving you, it'd be like me handing my card to my son and him going, no, no. I don't think I did my chores last week. Like, I'm aware of that. I I don't think I earned that. No, my my son, you know better. Like my 11 year old's like, hand it to me, hand it to me. He's all ready and he's, he's excited because he has no problems receiving from me by grace. But we often look at God and go, but, but I didn't earn it yet. 
So you, you've got ditch one going, I need to, to earn it. But then you have the people who over course correct and they find the other ditch. Ditch two. Assuming I can't earn it, it's just going to find me. And it, this is the assumption that because God wants it, it will automatically happen. And instead of trying to earn it, they sit at home and wait for grace to kidnap them. They're like, wait, it's just going to come and grab me and take me into all that God has for me. And they are waiting. We have to understand that God's grace is amazing, but God's grace does not happen automatically. And in this ditch, you'll find the people who try to use God's grace as a license for sin. And you, you'll, you'll, you'll find them there, and there's uh, Jude 1.4 says, there are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. And then it goes on and says that they've got judgment coming. But um, just because God wants it doesn't mean it's going to happen. God's grace is available, but it can be denied. So if, if you're... If you look in Deuteronomy chapter one, it, it kind of, it's, Moses is recounting some of the, the history of the Israelites being delivered in their journey here. He goes through, and he tells you that God has delivered them out of Egypt. If you don't know the story of the Israelites, uh, God, they had been slaves in Egypt. God sent Moses and delivered them with massive miracles. And they get into the, to the wilderness and God provides for them miraculously and there's all this cool stuff going on. And God promises them the promised land. And you know, he promised it because he wanted it for them. In fact, in Deuteronomy 1.8, he says, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. In verse 26, Yet you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. So God's like, I've got this promise for you. And they go, mm, nope. It's scary. It's hard. In fact, we'd be better off dying in the desert than trying to do that. That's literally what they said. Like, let's, let's get somebody to help take us back to Egypt. And they declined this offer that God has. And then when, when God said, Fine, you can have what you said. I am not going to lead you into the promised land. I'll lead your kids into the promised land after you die. And they're like, oh no, now we're going to go fight. And he goes, don't. I am not going to go with you. And then they go try to fight. Like, what? But as I, as I looked, there's this, this group that's so easy to think, well, if I can't earn it, it must be automatic. but it's not. If God's grace isn't automatic, how do I use it? How do I apply it? And this thought just like blew me away as I was pondering this out. I was just starting this message on how great is grace and I got thinking going, but, but how do we activate 
and apply God's grace? How do we tap into God's unlimited power that he said he's made available to us? How do I tap in to all of these promises that he's given to me that are mine? And I pray for my children. I say, God, let them know who they are in Christ. Let, me, let them know where you position them in Christ. Let them know what they have in Christ and let them walk in it. Because so many of us don't walk in what has already been made available. And just having it be available doesn't make it happen. I talked to someone tonight. I was helping them out. I was telling them about this great app that will read them the Bible. And they go, oh, you mean this one? Yes. How will it read it to me? And I went through and showed them. They had it the whole time. But having it wasn't enough. They had to learn how to apply it. And this is simple true with an app, but this is true, a true spiritual principle. And so I begin looking at this, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, is, is the key. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. And I begin looking at this going, the key to applying grace is faith. See, these promises, these gifts of God are given by grace. They are paid for and made available in Christ and received through grace. It's in Christ is the payment. By grace it is given and by faith it's received and applied. So I begin looking and going, well, well how do I receive some of these gifts? How do I operate in some of these these gifts. Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 23 and 24. It says, Truly I say unto you, whoever, set, um, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, into the sea, taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will have it and have received it and it will be yours. He goes through, you need to begin to speak and believe the word of God. Get some of these promises in you. Begin to speak them. And I begin to think about this and realize I have not been as intentional with grace as I should be. And I realize there are parts of grace I have done a great job applying almost an accident. There's other areas I have not. Do you know what areas have flourished? The ones where I was speaking it, the ones where I was applying it, the ones where I was operating in faith. There's a lot of promises. And there are some of them that I have not walked in. And I begin to look and go, oh, where I speak it, where I lay hold of God's promises and by faith and go, hey, this is mine, not because I'm perfect, but because I am in Christ and he made it available in Christ and he seated me with him in heavenly places far above every enemy, principality, and power. Then it's no longer about my perfection, but about his and I'm going to stand on his word and I'm going to walk forward in his power because my power may not be enough, but that's okay because his power is. And I can sit there and I can pedal this bike and try to do it on my own or I can go, all right, God, 
And when I say, okay, God, this isn't about me. This is about you. And I'm going to declare your word in my life. I begin to pedal, but I begin to put that pedal assist on. And all of a sudden, my pedaling is now powered with his. My parenting is now powered by his grace. My relationship with my wife is now empowered by his grace. And I can walk in more patience, more kindness, and more forgiveness. I can demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in my relationship. And I can begin to see God do a work inside of me because it's no longer about me, but about him. And when I begin to put my trust in him instead of in me, I can now do what only he can allow me to do. But we have to be intentional to speak it and to apply it. I found this in my coat today. It's a gift card of sorts for a free donut that expired June 1 of 2021. So I can throw it away today. Um, Now, this one is unique. I don't know if they, they bought all of these or if they got a, a cumulative bill at the end of these, but a normal gift card, you realize has been paid for. And when they pay for it and they hand it to you, it's because they intend on you spending it, right? It's the whole objective of a gift card. But they're spending it and they're giving it doesn't mean that you've applied it. And you can have a gift card that goes bad in your coat pocket. There's a lot of Christians who have a gift card in their pocket that says this is for the promises of God paid for by the blood of Christ made available to you. Now stand on his word, speak it forth, apply it. Here, it's yours. And they go, oh. Man, life's rough. Wish I had some more power. I wish I had sweet sleep. If I could just have peace and sweet sleep. Oh. I think I've had that conversation like five times this week. That might be an exaggeration. That's probably three. But several different people going, hey, I just need some peace and some sweet sleep. Do you know that there's a promise for that? Actually comes up in a couple different spots. Now I can begin to stand on it. I can begin to not just go, oh, well, if God wanted it for me, it would automatically happen. But here I lay in bed counting sheep and watching the clock tick by. Instead of beginning to speak and go, oh, God has sweet sleep for his children. And then in, in Psalms, he goes through Sorry, this is in the wrong spot in my notes. But in Psalms, he lays, lays it out, 100, 127 verse 2, and he talks about this, this sweet sleep and not being weighed down with the anxiety. I'm like, you know, that's why most of them aren't sleeping. And he goes through and goes, oh, he wants me to cast my cares on him? You mean I don't have to carry them all on my own? I can put my trust in him? It's amazing. And it's for you. But are you applying it? Because God's grace is here to empower you to go beyond your own ability to accomplish all that he's called you to. All of the parenting, all of the being a light. You see, it's, it's to allow you to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
And it's an amazing, an amazing, powerful thing that we can do, that we can begin to speak it, that we can begin to apply it, that we can go through and go, all right, what's mine? What, what's already on my phone? What's already downloaded? What has God already given me that I haven't begun to use? I'm gonna to begin to speak it. I'm gonna to begin to declare it. I'm gonna to begin to walk in it. I'm gonna to begin to step out in faith. I'm gonna to begin to declare his word over my life and over the life of my children. And I'm gonna watch God's grace begin to empower me to walk out his plans as I trust in him instead of just on my own. Now, I, I said that for many Christians, they thought that grace was just about salvation. And that's missing out on so much because it is meant to affect every part of our life. But it is the beginning of the journey. And if you're not right with God, if you're away from God, that's the first step. God's grace was poured out as Jesus paid the price for us, for forgiveness, so that we could be right with God. And if you say today, I, I need to become right with God. I want to give God my life. I want to know that my relationship with God is right. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity, whether you're here or online. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm right with God. Get ready. This is your opportunity. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If you're online, you can just type that in there. I saw your hand. Who else says, that's me? Awesome. Another one back there. Who else says, that's me? Most important decision that we're ever going to make. Another one over there. Awesome. All right. We're going to say a simple prayer. The Bible says that whoever calls in his name will be saved. So we're going to activate this gift of grace as we begin to speak. So go ahead and join me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Even when I make mistakes, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. I choose to follow you I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.